Grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the book of Isaiah, we find Isaiah having a vision where the Lord brings him into his holy temple and tells him that he's going to go and speak for the Lord to the people of Israel. And Isaiah's first reaction is, how could I possibly do this? He says that I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Because he knows for himself, even as a prophet, that his lips are unclean. That they've spoken things they shouldn't have. And likewise, all the lips of the people are unclean. We all have this problem. And we come to church today because we know we all have this problem. As I was looking at this series for this week and this text, I kept struggling over it for a number of reasons. The book of Proverbs has passage after passage after passage that talk about the tongue relationships and how we talk to each other and how the tongue can do great good like the sweetness of a honeycomb and it can do great evil like dividing friends i was looking at all these passages from proverbs and trying to figure out how to organize it now up to the service at this point and you've heard the readings you're probably all sitting there about where i was three days ago thinking Yes, this is very, very true. We have a problem. We have a problem with how we talk to each other and how we don't talk to each other and what we do say and what we don't say. We're all convicted. We have a problem with forgiveness. We have a problem with peace. We have a problem with healing. And we have problems with hurt. And so as I'm trying to organize this sermon and I'm looking at all these passages from Proverbs dealing with all these topics about how we can speak wisdom. In fact, I put them on that bookmark that I left in the pews there for you. That little strip of paper has got the do's and the don'ts of how to speak wisdom. And while that is helpful advice, what good is it to us that keep on failing at? We're going to just look at it and think, yeah, I should do that, I shouldn't do that, but that's not what I'm doing. And so I had to completely change my sermon, because I realized at the heart of all of this is really the heart. That before you can ever get to those passages on the sheet, you have to deal with the heart. And if you don't deal with the heart, what's coming out of your mouth is never going to get better. Isaiah needed his tongue touched by the coals carried from the altar of God by an angel, which means he needed his tongue cleansed, just as we need our tongues cleansed. So I'm going to start with the heart. That's what we're talking about, not really the tongue. James chapter 3 is clear. By the time the words get out of the mouth, it's already too late. Who can tame the tongue, he says. 
Instead, we have to talk about what happens before the words come out of the mouth. And so the sermon today is about what to do before you speak. To practice the art of speaking wisdom is about what happens before you speak, not when you speak. And I'm looking at Proverbs chapter 16, drawing from that, because the flow of it deals with this. It starts with the heart, it moves into conversation, and then it ends with the difference between the wise and the fool. But it starts with the heart in chapter 16, verse 1. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The word for plans in this verse means something like setting things that are out of order into the correct order. The New King James says the preparations of the heart. The CSB says the reflections of the heart. The reflections of the heart, the arranging of the course of our lives. What are we thinking about, planning, preparing? How are we taking a world that is disordered and throwing things, that's throwing things at us that are completely out of God's order? And how do we plan to move forward with our lives anyways? And it's what's happening in the heart, the plans of the heart. Which means that we're talking about more than mere words. Sticks and stones may break your bones, right? But words are so much more. Words are more than words. They're spiritual. James says that the tongue is a small rudder. And like the rudder on a ship, it sets the course of your life and other people's lives. Words are what separate us from animals. The fact that we can talk to each other. The fact that we can reason and have conversation. It's part of being made in the image of God, language. And yet, does it really always separate us from the animals? Sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. We see the instincts, the primal instincts coming out more and more. Why do we argue? You never see birds arguing about how to build a nest. They just build the nest, just like God wanted them to. But we argue about building the nest. We think that I know better than she does how to build the nest. Why does he keep putting that stick there? Why does she keep wanting to talk about it? Can't we just get through this and finish the project? I'm always the one that has to clean up the sticks. And you're the worst nest builder in the world. You never appreciate me. And then we notice how there's other nests that seem to look so much neater. James calls this the wisdom from below, the wisdom from the devil, the wisdom that only is earthly and full of pain and disorder. It's only a thinking about me. The heart is what matters because it is where all of this is coming from. If your heart is not cleansed of its evil, of its pain, of its sins, 
It will not produce the fruits of righteousness. The only way we can get things arranged in the right order for our future is to go to the Lord. And so chapter 16 goes on, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. It is that steadfast love of the Lord that cleanses us from our iniquity, that turns us away from evil, that sets the plans in order, that even though we plan our way, the Lord is establishing our steps. Jesus came for your heart. Not just your lips, not just your obedience, not just your outward expressions of being a Christian, but what's in your heart. He came to make your heart of stone, a heart of flesh. And that can be a painful process. Jesus always gave his heart to the Lord, fully dedicated for, to saving you the way that God intended. Always he was thinking of you. Always he was thinking of others. His words were flowing out correctly because he had a heart that feared the Lord and that was always thinking of others. And so the second thing to do then is to reflect on what your heart is saying to you. Chapter 16 goes on, verse 20. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. We always speak from the heart. I used to think that I needed to get people to speak more from their heart. And I would tell others that they had to speak from their heart instead of hiding it. But now I'm seeing that we always speak from the heart. It's just whether our heart wants to hide something or whether our heart is honest and open. Proverbs 4 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything that is in our heart is going to flow out. The question is, are we going to take the time to think about it? Are we pausing, giving thoughts to the word we're speaking? Where are they coming from? Is what I'm saying helpful? Is what I'm saying just trying to draw attention to myself? I had an elder when I was in Batavia who gave me very helpful advice. I was dealing with a conflict in the congregation that was dragging on. And there was a lot of emails going back and forth. And you know how that goes. How that turns from just a small thing into a bigger thing into a bigger thing. And both parties are just reading the words, scrutinizing them, and getting angry. And he said... Well, this is what I do in my business, is I'll type up the email, I'll say everything I wanted to say to that person, and then I won't send it. Instead of sending it, I'll just leave it alone, go sleep, get up the next day, and then I'll read it again. And if after a day or two or three days, I still feel like it was the right thing to say, then I'll send it. But you know what happens? 
by the second or third day you realize it's not really the right thing to say or it's not the right way to say it or it's too many words give thought to the word the lord says and you will discover good and blessed is he who trusts in the lord it returns back to that trust can we trust god to work out the things that we think we need to resolve always ourselves can we trust him to heal to forgive to restore broken relationships one writer once said you need to talk to yourself so that yourself stops talking to you talk to yourself before you talk to someone else and then thirdly fill your heart with grace chapter 16 verse 24 gracious words are like a honeycomb sweetness to the soul and health to the body yes gracious words are sweet aren't they when we dwell only on the way we hurt we keep filling ourselves up with something more hurt when this happens again and again over a long period of time where you're dwelling on the hurts or you're ignoring the hurts or you're feeding the hurts your words turn from honeycomb into something sour because whether you're talking about it or not you still have those things in your heart you've just learned to mask it but it's still there what are we filling our hearts with if we're constantly rehearsing what happened what he said what she said and then we're telling others about it we're only going to continue to fill ourselves up with words of hurt but jesus says blessed are the peacemakers to be a peacemaker first of all you need to find peace in your own heart with the lord that means if there's hurt and anger and bitterness that's going to affect you in order to cleanse yourself from that you have to fill yourself up with god's grace whether the other person has apologized to you or not doesn't matter the bible says either way you need god's grace you need his grace more and more which is why jesus on the cross was able to say father forgive them to the very people that were crucifying him who were not apologizing for what they did forgive them for what they have done jesus always grew in that grace grew more and more in understanding god's love in filling himself up with it so that when the worst of worst would come to him when his own people would betray him and put him on a cross the people he came to save he would have enough grace in his heart to say i forgive you it takes a lot of grace to get there but jesus has that grace where sin abounded grace abounds much more and while we're doing that we guard and protect our hearts from evil verse 27 says a worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends be like mary who pondered the things in her heart 
before you respond to a tense situation, before you blow up, ponder in your heart. But a fool ponders only evil. He meditates on it day and night. That's why the tongue is like a flame. Because a fool, rather than putting out the fire, flames it, fans it into a forest fire. And pretty soon it's not just burning down his life, it's burning down the lives and the hearts of other people. What do you do when there's a fire in the kitchen? Well, you might try to put it out. But what if it's a grease fire? What if it's such a big fire you can't put it out? Are you going to stand in that kitchen filled with smoke and call 911? Are you going to stay there and try to make sure you stay until the help comes? No, you're going to get out of the toxic situation to fresh air. Space for you spiritually to think. To guard your heart from the evil that is coming in on you. Because the enemy isn't him and the enemy isn't her. The enemy is the enemy. Satan. We have to go an extra mile to guard our heart from that evil that Satan is constantly trying to bring into our midst to divide people, to ruin relationships. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus brings you out of the fire, gives you time for yourself to make peace, and he reconciles all things together. He came to destroy the works of the devil, and the devil has no power over you. Once you've done all this, not that it's a five-step process, but once you have pondered this, taken it into your heart, listened to the Lord, finally, we're ready to speak. There's a lot that goes in before we even open our mouth, isn't there? To be ready for those situations, it's not just a one-time sermon or a one-time tip. It's a lifetime practice, which is why wisdom is the art of speaking, not the science. And finally, you're ready to speak, which is the last two verses of this chapter. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Better than the mighty man who can conquer cities is the man who's conquered his own heart. Now you can go back and consider those passages I gave you, that strip of paper you take home, but make sure that you've taken into consideration all the things we've said here today before you even go to those passages because then your heart will be in the right place to say, Okay, Lord, I'm ready to start practicing these things. Amen.